celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Oh, I almost didn't make it. I ran into this. Yeah. I was, uh, sorry about that. (laughs) That's okay, Hal. I was going to start the show without you. I was walking. You have toilet paper on your tennis shoe. (laughs) I was walking uh, Ladybug, the studio stunt dog, who requires just a lot of activity. She's uh, she's one of those dogs that you wouldn't expect for being all of 10 pounds needing to be stimulated a lot. She's hyper. She's, yeah, she's she, very active. She needs toys. Mm-hmm. She she comes to you and she sits right in front of you and she she looks at you and, and gives you these little puppy eyes like, play with me. And mm-hmm. then she'll, she'll bat her toy and then she'll look at you again and go, play with me. <laughs> and so that's what I was doing. It was paramountly more important than being here. Because, you know, you don't turn a dog away when it wants to play with you. Exactly. That's the That's best right. thing you could give them is your time. But I did make it in time, and Ladybug is now pooped out, and she's ready to take a nap. She is a, a Jack Russell Terrier mix, and, and this particular breed requires a little bit of attention. They're kind of high maintenance. They are. They're very active little dogs. But cute. Cute as all get out. Cute and smart. Now, when you pick your next dog, are you going to pick it by how cute it is? Or are you going to think about some other factors, like how smart it is, how much stimulation it needs, how many walks a day does it need? How many times a day do you have to wipe out their folds? Yeah, well, with bulldogs, you deal with bulldogs, you right. rescue bulldogs. I don't even right. think about wiping folds except on me. But uh, uh, and how, how, <laughs> Oh, golly. <laughs> we also room. clean tails. You do clean tails. Tail pockets, yeah. You got to do that. Is, you picked up on some of the breeds that have to have a lot of maintenance also yeah. when it comes to clipping their hair or brushing them. I'm in that boat. And yep. uh, If you're planning on picking your dog just by how cute it is, listen to today's show. We have an expert on who's going to help you meet your breed. This is especially great if you haven't chosen your dog yet. You're thinking of getting one. She'll tell you what kind of breeds might work for you. And if it's too late, you've already chosen your dog, what can you do? She'll tell us all about that in just a few minutes. Kim Brophy, she's an award-winning canine behavior consultant, and she's devoting several minutes to talk with you today right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? I I ran across this survey that came out from the Association for Pet Obesity Prevention, and you're going to think, oh, no, it's not. This is a great story because they interviewed pet parents and veterinarians. One of the great questions they asked is, what do vets feed their pets? What do vets feed their pets? Mm. Mm -hmm. Dr. Debbie, what do you feed your pets? Well, I have one who has a special dietary need, so she's on a hypoallergenic prescription diet. And my other guy is just on a a basic... you know, dog food. Is I it kibble? Really special. Dry. Yes. It both, is dry. both dry. Yeah. They're both on dry food. Hmm, that's that's well, interesting. We'll find out how normal you are, Dr. Debbie. <laughs> that's on the way. Stick around for that. And we go to Moika. Is it Moika? Am I pronouncing your name right? You're pronouncing it correctly. How are you doing today? Oh, well, been better. <laughs> You've been better. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, oh, no. It's just... Um, bad one, that's what I call her, has gotten worse again. Oh, no. What I did. Oh, well, well, tell us the story. What's going on? Um, I, I was a failed foster, and I knew when I got her that she was a little snappy and nervous, but she was okay as a foster. Of course, they were separate from my other dog, who was seven years older and blind, and at the time, that's the only problem she had. 
So it failed foster. I decided to keep her, and she started growling when she was on the couch with me, when she was on the bed with me, and then I heard, well, nope, put her down. Don't let her up there without your permission. So I did that, and they were okay for, I'd say, a good year or two. Okay. Recently, I'm working longer. My son, who used to take them out during the day, he's working, so he's not able to do it. The blind dog has now got tons of other problems. So in the morning, I'm waking up, I'm giving her three medications, orally three medications, you know, in her eye, and then the same thing at night, too. So it, I guess she's getting more attention or something. I don't know. But okay. now the failed foster is just she's growling, she's lunging every time she walks near her. So if the older dog walks near the foster dog, that's when she is attacking or vice versa? Yeah. When? Okay. And is she attacking her when you're applying the medications at that time? No. She's, um, it's just when she's walking by us, they're laying on the, if she's laying on the pad on her bed and she's walking around, she's now in the habit of just circling. And it's really kind of distressing to see her just walk and walk and not lay down for a few minutes. But if your older dog is so growl. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds like this has been a complicated situation for a while. And sometimes when there is a health change in one pet, it can alter the dynamics in the household. So um, say, for instance, if your dog suddenly became blind, that can make the uh, the foster dog, very um, unsettled because sometimes um, pets with disabilities, whether they don't hear, don't see well, or if they have mobility issues, their movements can be a bit erratic and um, not the typical um, um, behavior cues that they use to read and say, okay, you know, this dog's coming up to me. He's not a threat to me. Um, so that yeah. can be altered. So you need to be very vigilant when you have a pet that is having health issues because that can definitely um, trigger um, an aggressive bout. So if your foster dog has a problem with the other yeah. dog, we, we have two things that we, we would want to do. One, I would never leave these two alone, um, oh, no. unattended. Um, okay. The risk of injury, if you're not around, could be substantial. Now, there are some okay. dogs that the um, aggressive bouts may be more when the human is around. And in those cases, then we want to really work very hard at at uh, reaffirming those good behaviors, those deferential behaviors. So we used to say that, you know, we, we always reward the dominant dog. And that's not the case. We don't reward dominance in the sense of um, anxiety or aggression. What we do want to reward is we want to reward calm behaviors and kind of use that as a, a marker that this you're going to get affection or you're going to get treats if you're behaving in a calm way. So if we start to see any visual cues that either dog is becoming aggressive, you know, we've got um, very stiff body posture, ears are back, the tail is held red, red, red high up. Um, in the one case of your one dog, if we have direct eye contact, those right. can be cl clues to you that we have an anxious dog and you have the potential for a bomb to go off. You need to redirect that dog and and show them into a, a down, a sit, a calm posture, and then reward that. 
So that puts a lot of challenge in your shoulders because you're going to have to be uh, foreseeing those kind of episodes. Um, but there are often problems we'll see with aggression when they have to go through a physical space, a hallway, um, going through a door. And that, too, right. you need to anticipate that and make sure you maintain physical control of both dogs during that time um, or to uh, assist so that we don't have an altercation in, in that situation. Um, so, oh, wow. yeah, because I, I don't know. I think the other one who's who's blind, I think she's losing her hearing, too. Because yeah. I, I used to come home, they would both run to me. Now the blind one kind of just is laying on her bed and not giving up until I go over to yeah. her yeah. and say, I'm home. So I'm like, okay, this is a, a problem. She's losing her hearing. She's lost her sight. And now this dog is attacking her. And yeah, well, I don't that's know terrifying. I mean, if you couldn't see and you can't hear well, and then something comes out and nails you, that's a horrible thing to go through. So I think you really, this is where you need to be able to physically separate these guys and supervise their um, interactions. And it may mean working with the um, the foster dog separately. And if you don't have, if she doesn't have good command um, or, or, or good skills when it comes to following your lead, when it's down, sit, come, then um, you need to work on that privately without the other okay. dog around. And that should be something she should master. Um, you know, and it's not necessarily, we say a command, but that kind of makes it sound like, you know, we're, do this, do that. We want her right. to listen to you and for her to learn to be calm and you will get good things. Um, and that may be something when the other dog comes around, if she's behaving calmly. If she's got her ears back and she's growling, you don't want to reward her. You don't want to say, good girl. Um, okay. So it's more than just allowing the other dog nearby. You want to make sure she's behaving in an appropriate way. Wow. So I know that's hard. So you, you may need to you know, work with, um, a lot of times with these problems with aggression, you need to work with a trainer or with an assistant, somebody else who can help you. Because working with two dogs in an aggression situation can be tough. Um, so you need to make sure you keep uh, control of the aggressor. And then someone may need to help um, keep the blind and hearing impaired dog um, under physical control just so they don't get into a situation. So Okay. Well, I'm going to try that, like, tonight, because she's sitting next to me with the muzzle on now. Oh, okay. I know she's unhappy, but that's the only way I know to keep her safe. Mm. Yeah. Well, and, and dogs don't have to be unhappy wearing a muzzle. You can train a dog to wear a muzzle and have it be a um, a positive thing. So it just takes time. So if you just throw a muzzle on, yes, it can be seen as a, um, a sense of punishment. But if you put peanut butter on it and they get used to it, um, then it becomes their own. So it doesn't have to be um, something a tool that is um, a punishment. So don't think of it that way, or you're going to approach the situation in the wrong way right, in your mindset. Rub off on exactly. Yep. 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 Think positively. <laughs> well, good luck with things. Thanks for your call, Moika. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to anyone of the Dream Team right now. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Brilliant Pad. Are you tired of handling stinky puppy pads? The Brilliant Pad self-cleaning dog potty wraps and seals ways to keep your home clean and odor-free. That means messy and smelly is replaced with clean and fresh. Do your pads do that? Learn more at BrilliantPad.com. And thanks, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. This is Animal Radio, baby. 
Does your dog keep running out of your yard? Have an invisible fence that just doesn't work? You need a Pet Playgrounds dog fence. It's a physical fence that can be assembled by yourself or by one of our installers. The dig guard prevents dogs from digging under the fence. It's a strong yet flexible steel mesh system that moves. This stops dogs from climbing too. Thousands of customers have used a Pet Playgrounds dog fence to keep their dogs safe over the past 10 years. Order your fence at PetPlaygrounds.com and use the coupon code ANIMALRADIO to save 10% on any order that's 200 feet or more. Visit PetPlaygrounds.com and get your dog fence in 10 days or less. Ship it to your door in 10 days or less. Visit PetPlaygrounds.com for the best. Visit PetPlaygrounds.com and get your dog fence in 10 days or less. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. You found us. It's Animal Radio. This is where we celebrate the connection with our pets. So grab them, bring them around the radio. They love Animal Radio, too. Just a little side note there. Yeah, watch. They'll be listening to the radio just as intently as you, and they may even have some questions that they hope you'll ask. That's only because you use that squeaky thing, that whistle that only the dogs can yeah. hear. Yeah, uh, a lot of time in the background we have the uh, dog whistle. In fact, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, uh, no Nothing. one can't hear that. Uh, only, uh, But here's something that we can all hear. There you go. See, they're looking up at the radio right now, aren't they? If you have a question for them on their behalf, like they're not feeling well and they want you to call in and ask a question... It's toll-free. It doesn't cost you a penny. 1-866-405-8405. And you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. A lot of ways to get your questions answered. And your answer is questioned. No, we never question our answers here. (laughs) Dr. Debbie is even our veterinarian. She takes care. You've been on the show now for, I I would say, a decade it's been. At least. I think at least, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit older now. <laughs> there yeah. are so many anniversaries here. And how many times were you wrong ever answering any questions? Oh, I'm wrong. I, you know, I'm like anybody else. I make mistakes, but, you know, veterinary practice is practice. You know, every day we learn something new. Um, so I kind of modify my recommendations as we go. And I, I've certainly learned a lot along some of the topics of today's show of, you know, selecting breeds that have, you know, the right personality. So yeah. that's something that I've done some mistakes in the past and, you know, um, I'm trying to learn and get better with that. Now, if you made those mistakes, listen up in a few minutes. Kim Brophy will be joining us. She's written a book called Meet Your Dog, and it tells you a little bit about the different breeds that are available. So this is really important. Before you go out and get an animal, you should know what kind of breed you're going to get, what kind of, especially if it's a dog, what kind of breed dog, because some dogs might require high activity levels or some may just be couch potatoes. And depending on what you do, you know, if you sit around watching TV all day, uh, let me just first say, get a job like the rest (laughs) of us, okay? But if you like to take a lot of walks, there are dogs that like to get that kind of activity that need that stimulation. So she'll tell us all about that coming up in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. And also before the show is over, if you're a big fan of Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, and we all watched that as a kid, Peter Gross. Yeah, he's one of the co-hosts now of the web series of a company that we would have never have known about, Mutual of Omaha. 
No one would have ever have known about this insurance company unless this wonderful program came out so long ago. It was a mid to late 60s. Yeah, I think it was a revival in the 80s. And now there's this web series. And Peter Gross will be joining us from that. I'm going to ask him what kind of harrowing experiences he found himself in. Because I'm sure you do. Oh, and that kind of job you do. Yeah. How awesome, though. You should have to pay to do that job. You really should. It's such a good job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, we don't really call this a job. We get to talk about animals. That's our passion. We get to bring our animals to work, too, which is pretty cool. Aside from your calls, we'll be doing a quick check of the news in just a few minutes with Miss Lori Brooks, our news director, or as Judy calls her, our news gal. What do you like better, news director or gal? Oh, I'm not a gal. Mm-mm. <laughs> 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 Don't like that term? Yeah, I'm kind of like the, the Nikki Haley school. Yeah, yeah. I got to tell you this weird, weird story I'm going to share with you. Okay. Man, it is just one of the most bizarre stories from the animal world that I have come across in years. So I will, I will give you the synopsis of it. You get it in a nutshell after I read the article. You're too damn good to us. I try. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing? I'm still good today. How are you? Very good. What can we do for you? Um, yeah, we have. I have a older cat, about seventeen years old, has cataracts, and he's like now I can see like he can't hear too well. Uh, mm-hmm. It's anything suggests as far as you know, let him live his life out like that, or is that operation for the cataracts affordable? Or now, did you say he's seventeen years of age? Yeah, he's about seventeen, sixteen, Holy and eight years old, but he's pretty spry. Okay. Well, that's a phenomenal lifespan for a kitty at right. 17. So right. kudos to you. <laughs> um, you. You know, and I guess for cataracts in cats, um, there can be some confusion because cataracts aren't as common in cats as we see them in dogs. They can, especially over the age of 12 or 13, they can get what we call lenticular sclerosis, which is kind of a white change in the lens of the eye doesn't it's not really a true cataract so um it might just be important to make sure we get that properly diagnosed and have a vet look at those to see if in fact it is cataracts um i guess my next thing would be is in my eyes i don't think it's going to matter because i think in a 17 year old cat the last thing i do is consider cataract surgery um seven year old ten year old um you know we might talk about things like that but um with cats cataracts in the true sense of the form it's usually as a result of some other problem going on in the eye. So we tend to look for causes of problems uh, what we call uveitis, uh, infections and so forth, and trauma to the eye. So my right. hope and my best guess is going to be that your kitty has this more of this aging change in the eye, which isn't really a true cataract. And if that's the case, okay. we don't do anything. We just right. make sure we make accommodations. Sometimes uh, right. dark right. Uh, dark areas yeah. could be a little hard for them I mean, to see. He walks, he walks into the wall every once in a while, but he doesn't hurt himself, so he's doing uh-huh. okay. Yeah, yeah. And there are some, in dogs, we can see cataracts with things like diabetes. In cats, occasionally we can. So, you know, if you haven't had a, a you know, regular uh, visit or blood work, that might be something just to make sure because that kind of condition, absolutely, we're going to want to treat. And, um, you know, the cataracts are kind of just tagging along for the ride on those situations. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Take care, Jeff. All right. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Pet Playgrounds. Pet Playgrounds makes physical, non-electric, do-it-yourself dog fence kits. Not electric fences, and they offer professional installation services nationwide. Visit PetPlaygrounds.com to order your dog fence kit. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. 
Does your dog keep running out of your yard? Have an invisible fence that just doesn't work? You need a Pet Playgrounds dog fence. It's a physical fence that can be assembled by yourself or by one of our installers. The dig guard prevents dogs from digging under our fence. It's a strong yet flexible steel mesh system that moves. This stops dogs from climbing too. Order your fence at PetPlaygrounds.com. Use code ANIMALRADIO to save 10% on any order that's 200 feet or more. This is an Animal Radio News Update. And I'm Lori Brooks. Pet obesity in the U.S. increased last year, affecting 60% of cats now and 50% of dogs. Well, that is according, anyhow, to the Association for Pet Obesity Prevention. In case you ever wondered if there really was such a group, and they did a 10th annual survey, and this is their findings, okay? Veterinarians say they are continuing to see more pets diagnosed with obesity rather than, you know, just being a couple of pounds overweight. That is not good, friends, because... Obesity in pets results in more secondary conditions, uh, just like in humans, arthritis, high blood pressure, kidney disease, and certain forms of cancer can all come from being overweight. And pets with obesity also have reduced quality of life as well as shorter life expectancy. It's just the same as in humans. Now, in this survey, when asked what was the biggest challenge to exercising dogs, well, too busy was the most common answer, topping 25% of all pet owners who answered the survey. A close second, though, was behavior issues. There you have it. Hey, from the um, who would have ever imagined file, I came across this really weird story on the black market trading of dead hummingbirds. And yes, you heard that right. These black market bird traders catch a hummingbird and kill it. Then it gets weird. They wrap the dead hummingbird in underwear and cover it with honey. And then they sell it on the black market to people who will then make it into a love charm is what they call it. It's actually the love charm is called a a chuparosis. This so-called love charm is supposed to arouse passion in lovers. So weird. That's strange. Yes. Now, I got to be honest with you guys. If I weren't allowed to bring my dogs here to the Animal Radio Studios, I probably would have tried to land a gig at Amazon. Why is that? Because they're a huge company, right? They have more than 6,000 employees among their, you know, half a million who are registered to bring their dog to work. In fact, Amazon is so dog friendly. You walk into the building. And the reception desk keeps a bucket of dog treats, not a bowl, you know, like for human peppermints or something like that. They also have a dog park on the Amazon campus. Nice. Nice. Isn't that nice? Yeah. But there are, you know, some other companies, large companies like Amazon, that also allow pets to go to work with their parents. And among those are, are Bank of America, Purina. Uh, Petco is another one of those places you can take your pet to work, as well as ice cream makers Ben and Jerry's. No wonder there's always dog hair in my Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> yeah, that's a nasty <laughs> road to start. Yeah, now. that's horrible. I love Ben and Jerry's. Now, the one that surprises me is Bank of America. Yeah, I know. That's kind of Maybe shocking. it's their corporate office or something where they don't have people coming in and out, you know, customers. Good for them. Yes. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. 
It is Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets. And if there's at least one piece of advice that we hope you glean from the show is that if you do go out and get a dog or a cat, that you select, and especially with a dog, you select a breed that is compatible with you. Because, well, if you if you select a breed just by its looks and then you find out that it's one of these really active dogs and you're just not an active person, you're going to have trouble. You're going to run into trouble. Judy, for instance, when she went out to get Ladybug, she did the research. She wanted to stay away from Jack Russell Terriers. because Why was that? Too hyper, too much energy, too bouncy, too much for me. I'm more of a laid back, relaxed kind of walk person. I don't do a lot of real strenuous activity. So you got what you thought was a chihuahua mix, Yeah, maybe? they said it was a chihuahua mix, and of course it was a puppy, and I got it from a rescue. So, so you didn't really know. Didn't really Puppies know. look all the same, right? Yeah, when they're little, it's kind of hard to tell. But as she got a little bit older, I thought she really doesn't look like a chihuahua. And you did a DNA <laughs> test, and I uh, did. it came back as what? 50% Jack Russell. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> And you know she is, she is definitely Jack Russell. She is intelligent. She is active, and uh, you know again I tried. I did my research. I tried. It just failed. But I wouldn't give her up for the world. We have joining us Kim Brophy. She's an award-winning canine behavior consultant, and she has a brand new book called Meet Your Dog. Hi, Kim. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Okay, so we're going out. We're looking for a new furry family member. What should we be looking for? Well, I think uh, one of the things that's uh, I hope very helpful about this publication is that it, it really gets you in the mindset of looking at the whole picture. So, uh, you know, we think about, well, it's all how you raise them and they're just a pet. So if we do everything right, you know, that pet dogs need, then then everything should should be just dandy. But the reality is we all have really different environments and lifestyles. And a dog is going to come into that environment and lifestyle with everything from their past experiences that they've had before they were with us to their particular age, sex, health development, et cetera, to the genetics that they were born with. And all of those factors can either work really well within our lifestyle conditions and relationships, or we can have a little bit of friction. Let's talk about some of the breeds. One breed's called the entertainer because I assume <laughs> they're fun to watch, they're fun to play with, they're entertaining. What, what breeds are these? Uh, so the entertainer would be the bulldog category, and that's not even just the traditional English bulldog as we think about it, but all the breeds that have um, bulldog in their ancestry. And so, yes, if you've ever spent much time around a bulldog, you would find out very quickly that they are natural entertainers, full of personality, clownish antics, etc. Absolutely right on. What about uh, if we're looking for a dog to protect us, to keep us safe, to scare off intruders? Uh, the best group for that, at least the one that was designed um, for being a person, property, territory protector, would be the guardian group. Now, sometimes people want a lot more drama with a lot less follow-through, in which case uh, sometimes herding dogs and alarm barkers like uh, terriers and stuff can actually fit the bill because they can be more reactive about intruders. But uh, kind of the dirty hairy of the dog world, so to speak, would be the guardian group that lets all the little stuff roll off of them but won't hesitate to step in in the right set of circumstances. What do you recommend, Kim? So like, I, this is a problem I see in my practice all the time. People have like a childhood love of a certain breed. Say they have um, you know, Shelties or, or they have Australian Shepherds. And then they get them as an adult and they're not in the right living situation. How do mm-hmm. you counsel them? They've already made their decision and have to deal with the after effects of that. How do you tell them to kind of improve the environment or work on that? 
So, yeah, once somebody has already made up their mind and, and followed through and, and gotten what might be the wrong dog for their current situation, I feel like the role that we should be trying to play, at least as professionals, is uh, mediating or good, healthy reality check. Because I don't think it does anyone any service to pretend that some of those rubs and pressures aren't going to be there. So we'll tell people, uh, you know, these, this is what this animal was originally designed to do. Our ancestors painstakingly developed these kinds of behaviors. So what's not fair is to simply project motives onto the dog, call those behaviors that they were born with out of their own control bad, and then punish them. So we try to help them understand that there's sometimes genetic software and motor patterns that need to be appropriately developed in a certain manner. So for a herding dog, for instance, you can create daily games and rituals that satisfy their need to be um, organizers, uh, intense micromanagers. You can teach them to herd large balls in your backyards and put them away in kids' soccer nets. Um, Things that we would think would be kind of ridiculous but might satisfy those genetic urges. So we try to help them to find appropriate ways to do that and also to be more compassionate when the dog is engaging in ways that they're not necessarily deliberately intending to. The book is great. It's called Meet Your Dog, The Game-Changing Guide to Understanding Your Dog's Behavior. I have 10 copies to give away right now. Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. If you don't get through, if we've given all the copies away, it's an easy book to get. You can get it over at Amazon.com. Just look up Kim Brophy, the author, Meet Your Dog. Kim, thanks so much for telling us about the book. Yeah, thank you again for having me. I just think that nowadays people are more aware of that and not just getting a dog just based upon its looks. I think people are more aware of their activity level and getting the appropriate dog for them. Really? I, I think I, they... I think it's changing, yeah. you don't. I wish. I, oh, really? I see it every day. I really do. I see um, folks that are maybe 70, 80 years old getting two Labrador puppies. Oh, geez. And, you know, just, you know, when they come in, I, oh, my goodness, I know we're setting ourselves up to fail oh. in this living situation. And unless, and unless we're setting up things for them to do, going to doggy daycare and going through formal training or having a dog walker, it, it just, it breaks my heart because people, you know, they remember having these dogs when they were younger and um, maybe their life was different and it just doesn't always we need to put you at a uh, Petco store or PetSmart, one of these adoptions, and you can just sit there and watch how people get their dogs. They get them, oh, it's so cute. So Look cute. at the kid. It's so cute. Right. Yeah. And exactly. they don't really just think because about. they think that they're, they're cute. So are bulldogs pretty sedentary? Or I mean, they don't require a lot of exercise, right? <laughs> it, it varies. You know I'm involved with um, bulldog rescue as yeah. well, and I've got a friend who's fostering a bulldog now who is anything but sedentary. Really? We see a good amount of greyhounds in my practice. Uh, most of them are rescues or, you know, they've gone on and from, you know, blood bank lives or, um, you know, the racing. Um, but a lot of people don't realize that they are sedentary as well. And really? I thought they, because yes. they're runners that they, they require a lot of activity. You know, they can run fast, but they don't require a lot of activity. In fact, you know, some friends, I've had two different friends tell me they took their greyhounds out hiking, and one of them had to carry the greyhound back because it refused to move. <laughs> 
In today's automotive news, the 2019 Toyota Avalon has some revolutionary new lights. Engineers took aluminum and molded it into the front of the new lights. Then they used lasers to etch cut into the aluminum to allow beautiful arrays of light to shine out onto the road. These are also the slimmest headlights that Toyota have ever created. Toyota has engineered new side lights up front that come on under 25 miles an hour, illuminating 60% more of the road while you turn into a driveway with gate posts so you can see exactly where you're going. To see the new Avalon, go to ourautoexpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. My Chrysler Pacifica is totally loaded. It has stow-and-go seating, the available Uconnect theater, and listen to these speakers. Hey, Mom, what was that song? Huh? What song? Chrysler Pacifica. It's loaded with attitude. Chrysler is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified fear-free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. It is Animal Radio. The toll-free number is 1-866-405-8405. I see we have a call from Allentown on the way, from Fayetteville, North Carolina, from Los Angeles, all on the way. That That's three lines. We still have one line open for you. Toll-free 1-866-405-8405 right now. We'll go back to the phones in just a couple of minutes. We talked last week about some of the things that might stress your animals out that you don't even know about like the LED lights that you've replaced all throughout your house, those flashing lights which dogs can actually see. They can see the flashes. As humans, we cannot see that. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what it's like to have a flashing light all the time or some of the electronics that we have, especially here in the studio. Just the sound that they can hear and we can't? The sounds we can't hear because our, I I guess our limit is about 20,000 kilohertz. And they, they might hear the noises that machines make. It might stress them out. Uh, separation anxiety seems like a very popular uh, anxiety. Yeah. People you, you know, know that one. Yeah, you, you might know this if you're listening now and you leave your house and uh, your dog starts whining, or you come back and to, you find all the destruction that it's done while you were gone, and then you go over to them and you hug them and love them, and that really actually uh, creates more problems. It's it's telling them that it's okay to be that way. So all of these things stress out our animals. And the most important thing is that stress can have an effect on their health. It can, uh, it can drive them crazy. It can drive them to be sick. And that's why we are so behind the Fear Free program, a program that started in veterinary offices and now is extended to uh, trainers and your home. Do you have a Fear Free Happy Home? You should. I'm working on I'm it. I'm working on it. There is now a guide for that, and it was written by a whole bunch of great people that uh, know the industry, that know about animals. And the ringmaster, Dr. Marty Becker, he is he's really the father behind the movement, the fear-free movement, and he is joining us today. Hi, Doc. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing? You know what? I had to just laugh. You guys talking about separation anxiety and things. I have a feeling... You've had an unwanted extreme home makeover before. Yep. <laughs> by a pet. <laughs> you too, huh? Yeah. You don't. You, oh, yeah. Matter of fact, I have a new dog that's a distemper survivor, and they have a little bit greater chance to have neurologic problems. But it's gotten what was endearing, you know, the the loyal little shadow that followed me everywhere, that would wait by the door after I left you know, for an hour, and uh-huh. then my wife would say he waited by the door. It's actually become pathologic to Ooh. where it's actually affected his health. You know, he gets so depressed when I travel that 
uh, where I've actually had to put him on what we call chill pills. We haven't had to go to an FDA solution yet. We got him on a brain diet and stuff to improve. And here's the thing that's really interesting. I, I'm not some gifted person that always have intuited this or I researched it or had anything. My God, before my awakening, I had with Karen Overall, the boarded behaviorist, about what fear was doing to animals. I was stretching cats out to where their their head was. In, I'm only 15 miles from Montana, so their head was in Idaho and their ass was in Montana. <laughs> uh, we'd, uh, you know, you'd hold a dog down to get a blood sample about three times a year, and the thing would poop in your pocket like a mid-sized dog. Sure, you'd go in somewhere and think, God, my feels a little warm down there and you reach in there and there's a dog turd in your pocket this is no kidding yeah uh, wow. literally scare, scare the blank right out of them but about a hundred percent literally a hundred percent of dogs have some level of fear anxiety and stress i want to talk about the book because this is this is what i'm really excited about now there's really a comprehensive guide to the fear-free movement and how to make your home fear-free and that's the book. It just came out. Why did you write it? I mean, it sounds like a silly question, uh, but it's actually here on the list that I have to no. ask you. No. <laughs> no. You know, you know what's interesting about that? I've written 25 books. I've sold over 8 million books. I mean, I've been blessed. And sometimes I caught a wave like Chicken Soup for the Pet Lover Sold. You're riding a wave. And yeah. people loved at the time to realize there's other people out there that felt just like they did with pets. Then I've written books like Your Dog, The Owner's Manual, and Your Cat, The Owner's Manual. They're great for somebody starting out, but literally there's there's 100 books I could tell you I have on my bookshelf. I'm sure you guys got a crazy selection of pet books too. There's probably 100 oh, yeah. books that are just as good as it for starting out with a new, a new dog or cat. But this is the first book that's ever been done on the emotional well-being of dogs. And we have uh, kind of a unique thing because I'm a well-known veterinarian that's you know kind of started this movement and, and I'm kind of representative of the 220-some individuals behind it. But two boarded veterinary behaviorists are co-authors and a, and a well-known trainer. So the boarded veterinary behaviorists, most people don't even know there is such a thing. There are 75 American College of Veterinary Behaviorists that are certified. 59 of them are part of the Fear Free Advisory Group, and two of them are co-authors. So we hitchhike on their education, their training, and their experience. And so we dissect it out. And I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the book yet. I have. It's really well done because it's like, it's like bite-sized. It, it really is. Yeah, yeah. That's what I like is there's pictures, there's stories, there's you, – you, know, you can read a few pages and get some ideas and – not feel like, okay, here's another page and another page and another page and another page. And I like the way it's done for kind of a modern reader. Yeah, it's not overwhelming. And you know, for me, I love pictures. I love lots of pictures. There are, and it's it's uh, also just very aesthetically pleasing. It's just a well-done book. Whoever did it, I salute you to that. Whoever yeah, designed the, the inside. Yeah, they they're, it's, it's really funny to go from when I first started. You know, when I was first doing Good Morning America back... Well, it would have been 22 years ago. The segments are eight minutes long. And then they went to six, and then to five, and then to three, and then to two. And funny with books, you know, they've changed, and and we had to change with it. But I want to tell you something interesting. I was going out to the International, let's see, IAEBC, International Association Animal Behavior Consultants Meeting. And so the book just came out, just came out, then I'm going out to this meeting of, of trainers. And there was a baby crying as it got on the plane. And I noticed everybody 
turn, myself included, because it wasn't hysterically like spoiled crying. Like you could tell upset. And so everybody looks at it and goes, oh, my God, you know, hungry, uh, gas, tired, dirty diaper. You go through the things you always know. And everybody's like, oh, you know, and can you imagine nobody caring? Like a, a baby goes through and everybody, you know, who cares? You know, suffer away, cry your eyes out, you know. We always want to solve it. And the point I'm trying to make, pets are the same way. They don't cry like a baby, but they show they, it can be vocalization. It can be a change in eating habits. It can be a change in activity or bathroom habits. It can be a lot with with uh, body language, but you know, we need to know the signs. That's the first thing. If you got a dog that is shivering, shaking, panning, lip licking, yawning, drooling, trying to hide, those are pretty obvious. The more subtle signs are ones that uh, avert gaze. They wrinkle their forehead. They pin their ears back. They fidget. They show the whites of their eyes. Uh, one of the ones that, that got me when I was a practicing as a veterinarian, I always thought dogs that went into the exam room and laid down and closed their eyes like they were going to sleep were calm, that that was the best it could be. And actually, it's the worst it can be. They actually have what's called collapsing immobility. So there's something called the defense cascade. And the first thing is alert. Like if we were to hear a gunshot or scream or if a dog heard another dog in distress uh, or maybe heard something that had triggered that, okay, fight or flight, and then, so alert, fight or flight, and what gets down to the end is collapsing immobility. And let me give you three examples. World War II, there's a trench of dead bodies and you're standing there with a firing squad. Why don't you run? It's because you're in collapsing immobility. You can't move. In Syria, you're in a you know, an orange jumpsuit and you hear Jihadi John behind you and a film crew. Why don't you run? And people that have had have been assaulted, rape or other kinds of assaults, why don't they they their body gives up? So a cat that's frozen or a dog that goes in and lays down with their eyes closed, that's as bad as it can possibly be. I know there's a lot of important information in the book, but what's the most important thing you learned in writing it? The most important thing I learned would be that every pet has some degree of fear, anxiety, and stress. And that if we take the time to parse out the triggers, like if you have if you have a dog that's freaked out by thunderstorms, it's not okay to think it's going to die every time there's a thunderstorm. That there are solutions. There are some uh, training solutions. There's some more natural products, what I call chill pills. There are some FDA-approved products. And those of us as a veterinary a veterinary community have an obligation to tell pet owners about that. And, and now what I do, you guys, we've known each other for a decade or two. And now instead of, you know, when I see a pet, I'll say, are there any pets at home that have behavior issues you'd like to improve upon? I'll even ask about other pets. And, and when you go back to, to um, these pets, fear is caused by something painful or something disturbing. So when a dog comes in a veterinary hospital, let's say it's been mauled by another dog it got hit by a car. It ran through the woods and scratched its eye. Its ear is a fire pit. Its gums are inflamed. It's got severe arthritis. That causes fear just by pain. And so when they come in, probably if I'm getting down to what I learned the most, a dog is similar to a one-year-old child. 
there's there's do either of you have grandchildren oh, yeah. or nephews yes. or nieces mm-hmm. yep. well let's just take a one-year-old you can't explain to them if you go to the doctor with them listen we're getting this blood sample but we're going to test your kidneys and your kidneys do this and and that's causing you to drink more water and or you've got a they've got a need uh, tubes in their ears and this hurts, but we're going to do this, and they might do this minor surgery. Well, you can't explain it to them why the procedure benefits, and we're going to the doctor. The same thing with pain. They can't anticipate or expect the relief of pain even if it's moments away. And so for that reason, we have to uh, you know, take – we're not going to manhandle a child and have six people hold a toddler down to do a procedure, and it's the same thing with animals. And one one last thing before you run out of time and I run out of breath. Uh, one of the things I want listeners to know, this is as simple as it gets. I'm 64 years old, and until writing this book, I have not petted a dog the correct way for 62 of those 64 years. So every time I'd see a dog on the street in New York or in my hometown of Bonners Ferry or the veterinary clinic or wherever else I was – I, I love dogs. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it's it's gorgeous. You know, what's its name? He, he or she. And I'd reach my hand out to, and let it sniff it and, uh, and then usually pat it on top of the head. Well, all of those are wrong. Dogs don't see very well up. They see well laterally to the side and down, but not very well up. So I'm coming from a blind spot, and I'm reaching with my hand, and I had direct eye contact. So these dogs have smelled you before you even see them. They don't need to smell your hand. You need, you need to turn sideways, avert your gaze, and crouch down if you can, if you're able to. It's getting harder at 64. And let, and let, and let them approach you. Who would have thought at the most simplest of thing you're actually causing fear, anxiety, and stress when I you're know. trying to be somebody good? I've been doing it wrong all these years yes. until you told me about that. Doesn't that make sense? It makes a whole lot of sense. If you get one book this decade, and I know we live in an age where, you know, books are far and few between now. It's all digital. And by the way, this book is available as a Kindle book. I'll throw that out there. But if you get one book, make it from fearful to fear free. It's brand new. I have 10 copies to give away right now, toll free at 1-866-405-8405. But if you're not lucky enough to get through, you're going to want to go over to Amazon.com or your local bookstore and ask for this. It's called From Fearful to Fear Free. Dr. Marty Becker is the author, along with several great and very well-known behaviorists. It's the book that will help you get along with your animal, and it has, it has the power to change their life and your life. I mean, that's really what it is. It's going to you're, make... You're not, you're, not over, you're not overstretching. I'm telling you, I've never been part of something that I felt stronger about the emotional well-being of animals. And, you know, I want to say, Hal and Judy, thank you for the support you've given back for probably uh, eight or nine years on this concept. And I, so it's not like you're you're here talking about a book that's out every step of the way. So we so appreciate you at Animal Radio. Thank you. Of course, check out fearfreepets.com and fearfreehappyhomes.com. And of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. Dr. Marty Becker, thank you so much for joining us again. And thank you so much for what you're doing for our animals. Thank you, friends. Blessings. This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. 
Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. If you are over, I'm going to say maybe 40 years old, maybe 45 years old, you might remember a show that was on Sunday nights on, um, well, I I don't really remember what network, but it was Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Oh, yes, I do. I do. (laughs) With this (laughs) gray-haired gentleman named, uh, what was his, Marlon Perkins? Marlon Perkins. And his monkey. And his monkey. Yes. I grew up thinking I really wanted to be this guy. You wanted a monkey. Oh, I you wanted still to do. Oh yeah, and I wanted to visit with all these animals. Today we're going to be visiting with Peter Gross. He's a wildlife expert and a longtime co-host of Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. He's going to tell us about some of the experiences and shows that he recorded with harrowing animals like snakes and uh, giraffes. Apparently, he was thrown in the air eleven feet by a giraffe. <gasps> Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. So he's going to be joining us in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Stick around for that. I also think he's a dog owner. We'll find out what kind of dog does this kind of guy have. Huh. That, that, I'm curious. Yeah. Unusual, yeah. I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Well, I have another airline to tell you about who is joining the list of those airlines that are changing their policies about pets flying in the cabin. And um, a really sweet 17-year-old dog that is now an honorary hero. That's on the way. Let's hit the phones right now. We go to Jane. Hi, Jane. How are you? Fine, thank you. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Adamstown, Pennsylvania. Oh, listening on WEEU. Thank you so much for doing that. I have the whole team here. What's going on with you? Well, my chihuahua, she's 12 years old. She's a little bit overweight. She's definitely having a problem with a collapsing trachea. I looked at some pictures on YouTube. Um, We've been to the vet... um, about this before and it's not something that happens all the time but when she gets excited she'll definitely have an attack once in a while she'll wake up during the night and have an attack Um, she doesn't do it when I'm walking her around the block and my question is is how can we treat it is there something natural I of course like everybody we go on the internet and we you know, Google it and see. And I understand that weight control is very important. They also said that maybe you could give the dog some glucosamine, that that would help strengthen the uh, trachea. And I'm just wondering if there's anything else that we can do to kind of help her and make sure that she's comfortable. Okay, well, great questions. Now, the first thing I would like to say is that, yes, collapsing tracheas are very common in small breeds, like the Chihuahua, um, particularly toy breeds. If you can hold them in your lap, that's kind of a, a coughing dog. I always think of that. But I always, especially in an older dog that's coughing, I would like to have chest x-rays because 
there are situations where we can presume that we have a collapsing trachea and it actually can be a heart problem. And that is a dreadful mistake to make. So make sure that you do consult with your veterinarian, that we've extinguished that possibility, and that we are dealing with a collapsing trachea. And usually we can find a collapsing trachea um, pretty effectively on an x-ray. Sometimes we've got to time it just right, but you know we can definitely see that. So the things we do for a pet with collapsing trachea, and you raised number one on my list, it's the cheapest thing you can do to help minimize signs of coughing if your pet has a collapsing trachea, and that is weight loss. Um, we know that the extra weight of an obese pet does a couple things. One, it, it increases the body mass, uh, which makes the pet um, have more difficulty breathing and moving around, but it decreases the lung space. So basically that kind of fat in the abdomen compresses the, the lungs and doesn't allow them to really ventilate well. So that makes them more likely to have some breathing issues. So that is the cheapest thing you could do is to get some weight off your baby um, to help minimize things. Um, I would say there's not really a lot of um, holistic or over-the-counter things that I will recommend for a dog with collapsing trachea outside of purifying the air or using things to help eliminate pollens in the environment, um, you know, decreasing dust, stuff like that, um, only because those can also exacerbate other respiratory problems. So glucosamine really doesn't help. So the problem we see with the airway in a collapsing trachea is that about three quarters of the, a dog's trachea is solid. It's like a cartilage ring. It's really firm. And then that upper part is a membrane. And with a collapsing trachea, what happens is that membrane part kind of gives way and sucks into the middle of the airway like a straw. If you suck on it too hard in that milkshake, <laughs> it, you can't get anything through. Um, and that's the same thing that happens with a dog with a collapsing trachea. They just can't get enough air. So then they have to breathe harder. And then they put more and more force on their efforts when they're breathing. With time, that causes breakdown in cart of cartilage in the airway. So it basically causes the kind of a collapse in weakness. And that's not something that um, glucosamine is going to help with. Um, so you want to try to minimize the coughing and the difficulty breathing so we don't get to that point. Because once that happens and we have main airway collapse, we're really in a very serious situation. There's not a lot we can do to help those pets. So in the earlier stages, we want to do cough suppression. Um, so that may mean using a, a cough suppressant with uh, your veterinary um, direction on that. Some dogs, I will use bronchodilators. Um, theophylline um, is one that can help to kind of make it easier to open the small airways in the deep part of the lungs so that we don't have to use as much effort. Um, and then um, and there are certainly some dogs where collapsing tracheas are bad enough and the pet can actually have enough crises, um, meaning they can go into a, like a respiratory arrest because they can't get enough air. Um, so those are an emergency situation. And dogs that start to have those kind of level of problems, there's actually surgery that can be done where we put a, a stents, kind of a support mechanism inside the airway to kind of help it from collapsing. Uh, so that's kind of the whole kind of scheme and the gamut of things. But depending on where your pet fits, um, I would say the most kind of early line therapy is weight loss, cough suppression, um, making sure we do some things that are friendly for a pet that has an easy cough trigger, as I call it. So we, we try not to use neck leashes. We use more of a body harness because um, that takes that tickle off. I did buy her a harness. The only other thing is this dog seems to have a voracious appetite. She would eat all day. Now, I give her lots of vegetables. She has pumpkin. She has iceberg lettuce. She has carrots. But she would eat 
all day long. She's always hungry. Sometimes she even walks in front of the refrigerator and will start whining. I mean, it's it's amazing. <laughs> and she's only, well, she's 13 pounds, but she's a solid chihuahua. You know, she's not one of those really petite ones. She's kind of solid. Mm, so okay. I guess well, maybe, I mean, my vet has said, yes, she could lose a little weight, which we know that, and boy, have we been trying. She's basically been stable between 12 and a half, and then she gets to 13 and a half, and then I really watch her diet. Um, so mm-hmm. I would imagine that diet control is the best, but I don't know how to divert her. Well, you know what? I, you know, you have a dog that has a love of eating. So I would say let's make eating more challenging and more fun. So, you know, she's, if, if she thinks about it, she's kind of like me sitting around the house. I'm like, oh, I'm working on bills. Um, where's those potato chips? Um, I'm looking for something to nibble on because that's all I can think about. So let's give her something else to think about, giving her activities. Now, we don't want to do anything too athletic if she has a, a you know, an easy cough trigger. So we might be doing things like we're going to, instead of putting her food in a bowl, we're going to put it in food puzzles and make her kind of push those things around you can do inexpensive boxes and cut little holes in where she has to kind of work a little bit to get in the in the box to get her food Um, but there's a lot of different things like that that you can do and make mealtime a little bit more um, work for her because Um, she gulps i mean it's amazing before i even have the dish on the floor she's jumping all over the place i mean if somebody had a camera and saw this they just wouldn't believe it they would think that we were starving her I know. It's the drama sometimes that dogs can do just to make us feel guilty. <laughs> it is it is an amazing uh, survival mechanism. And that's why dogs have domesticated so easily at our sides is because they know how to kind of work us and, and they know how to manipulate us. So um, it, it's what they do best. Uh, but, yeah, I would say you know, let's try to get your, your doggy moving around a little bit more. And just because she asks for food does not mean she needs to get it. So sometimes that may mean removing yourself from the equation. If she's begging and being obnoxious, and you know she's just eight, you know what, if, if she's not able to go for a walk, you know, certainly try taking her for a walk if she can tolerate that. But if not, you go for a walk. Leave the house. You don't have to sit there and be victim to being bullied to feed your dog. Um, I, I tell this to my relatives because they say, oh, but he asked for food. He's barking at us. Well, I don't care. Go shopping. You don't have to listen to that. Well, you know, I, I used to work. I'm not working anymore. And when I worked, it was easy. You just shut the door and that's it. And they just wait Well, now that I'm home, as a matter of fact, she's right here, and she was just whining like she wants food. I mean, it's amazing now. Of course, she hasn't had anything for a while, but she is a little manipulative little puppy, but we love her anyway. Yes, absolutely. Well, maybe maybe that whining means that she needs to be brushed or that she, you know, wants to go for a walk or to go play with a toy. So we can we can interpret there might be other kind of objectives. And if she's talking and all we do is always feed her, then she's going to always bark and ask to be fed. Yes, so, that's a very good yeah. point. Work on your uh, changed behavior patterns. <laughs> I think I need, yes, I need behavior modification, perhaps. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> Jane, thank you so much for your call today. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team. How do you tell the difference between a collapsing trachea and that reverse sneeze that few people know about? Well, um, sometimes it can actually sound somewhat similar because they both kind of have spasms of, of, of a sound. The reverse sneezing is, is actually more, um, instead of a, it's not a sneeze on the exhale, it's on the inhale. So it's kind of like what I describe as a reverberating sound. <laughs> 
kind of like yeah. that kind of sound. <laughs> Whereas a cough, a collapsing trachea will be more of a cough, but it, it could be a... <laughs> so you can see how there's a little bit of quality of both there. But um, in, in video, for me, helps a lot in kind of seeing what a dog is doing. Oh. <laughs> so does that we help? We need to help? see the video. We just took a view doing that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's post that video on YouTube. <laughs> This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Pet Playgrounds, makers of the safest and most reliable real dog fencing system in the world. Dog trainers, veterinarians, and dog lovers highly recommend Pet Playgrounds to protect your dog. Learn more at PetPlaygrounds.com. And thanks, Pet Playgrounds, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free stews, the only pet food with Red Barn Bully Sticks. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. If you grew up watching Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom like most of us did, because it actually ran very, it actually had a long run. It ran uh, a bunch of years in the 60s and then again in the 80s and again now in its web series. If you're one of the big fans, if it's changed your life like it changed mine, who knows if I would be involved with animals if it wasn't for that. Coming up in just a few minutes, from Wild Kingdom co-host Peter Gross will be joining us. He's uh, found himself in a lot of precarious situations, as you might imagine, and he'll be sharing those with us in just a few minutes. Lori, what are you working on? I'm going to tell you about a high exotic pet and I, and i'm not saying like giraffes you know because their necks are high and they go you know look up <laughs> into the trees and we're talking about a stoned exotic pet and how firefighters chose to deal with him really a stoned <laughs> exotic pet uh-oh uh, okay that's on the way right here on it you got to stick around for that if you leave right now something is seriously wrong with you <laughs> i got a recording of animal radio now hey hey how are you doing who's this hello Hey, this is this Rainy Hoffman. Hey, Rainy, how are you doing? I'm doing good. What's going on in your world? Well, I'm having problems with uh, two cats that, as they got older, they stopped uh, grooming their back ends, and they're getting mats. Hmm. Ooh, and, what, what kind of what kind of cats are they? Um, just domestic short hair, alley cats. So they're um they're, they're short haired cats, and they shed like crazy, correct? And they're, and they're building up matting because the shedding isn't coming out. Yes. Okay, there's a, actually a couple of things that you could do. Number one, I'm, I'm sure that you don't want to bathe your cats in your house because sometimes that could be a, a project um, if you're trying to do it at home. So here's my recommendation. First thing I would do is I would go out to the local pet store and I would purchase um, some waterless um, shampoo that's, um, that's good for cats. Most of them are, but I would still just check the label anyway because there are a couple out there that, that may be a little bit harsh that um, you, want, you wouldn't want to use on your cat. And there are some out there that are just made entirely for cats. The okay. next thing you're going to look for is you're going to look for a comb. and it's, it's a specific comb. It's called a greyhound comb. 
Now, okay. the reason why I say Greyhound comb, there's a lot of combs on the market, but the way that this comb is particularly made and um, the coating on it, what happens when you get the cheaper combs, the um, coating starts to come off. So when you try to um, comb through the cat or the dog, um, it catches the hair, and it, it's, it's not very comfortable for them. So after a while, and especially with a cat, you want them to be as comfortable as possible so, you, they, so the skill saw doesn't turn on and turn around and get you. Okay, and that's the teeth and the claws that I'm talking about. Um, yeah. So what I would do is get the greyhound comb. Now, depending on how severe the matting is, okay, if it's very severe, what you're going to do is you're going to use just the corner of one tooth, and you're going to work out that knot little by little, okay? And it'll come out pretty gently. You don't want to go in there and rake it out and rip it out. Um, you want to just go in with the corner of the comb and get it out little by little. Once you get the severe matting out, then what I would do is I would take the waterless shampoo, I would spray the pet towel dryer, take the um, the narrow end of the comb because it's going to have a wide um, end and it's going to have a narrow end and comb through the cat completely and you're going to notice because the cat's a little bit damp as well it's going to almost mimic what a cat would do with their tongue as far as cleaning, um, getting it wet and, and that loose hair coming out. It's going to kind of mimic that, and it's also going to clean the cat as well. So not only will the cat feel better, the cat will look better and smell better, but you're not going to have problems with the matting at all. Once you get it out, you don't have to do this more than once, twice a month, and it should be fine. You could do it more if you want. The more that you do it, the less hair that you'll have um, on your floors and your furniture, um, but um, it depends on you know how often that the kitty lets you if the kitty is a little bit feisty you may need two people you may need someone to um you know scruff the cat you know hold it by the back of the neck not you know not real hard but just enough where it's you're able to control the cat's head and um you know control where she's trying to bite or claw at you okay but the main thing is that waterless product. That waterless product in a comb is going to make such a difference, and it's going to make the cat feel a lot better, too, because older cats, when they get older and they get tired, you know what? It's not that they don't want to clean themselves and feel good. It's just that, you know, it gets it's, it's like everything else. It just gets a little bit overwhelming, and they'd rather just lay around and say, okay, this, this might not be as important as I think it is. Hey, hey, that's not just the cats. I do that, too. I'm just <laughs> going to. Oh, yeah, me too. Okay. Yeah. okay. Good luck with that, Rainy. Thanks for your call today, toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. If it ever gets so bad that they're so matted, do you ever recommend just, like, getting that lion cut and, and starting from the beginning? Yeah, I mean, sometimes we do worse than a lion cut. Sometimes it's a complete shave down where there's only head, hair on the head and a little bit on the tail. Um, but usually on a short-haired cat, it comes out. You just got to be patient with it. And, and to be very honest with you, I mean, I've heard a lot of people say that their cat loves to be clipped down. But, you know, honestly, I don't know man, how, truly how many cats would, would rather. Would, I think most cats would rather have their coat. Well, I shouldn't say coat because dogs have coat. Would rather have their fur than um, not. Yeah. So on a short-haired cat, you can get it out on a long-haired cat. You know what? Sometimes you got to start over, and and it's yep. it's more humane cutting it down and getting off. The only thing that a lot of people don't realize is the cat, and even with a dog, when they're naked, they're cold. They know something is wrong. They just don't know what it is, and then all <laughs> of a sudden you have the family pointing and laughing, oh. and they they actually build a complex where will they'll hide for a couple of days. So we tell people, you know what? If you know that's going to be the situation, you got kids at home, or you just got a shy cat, go out and get it, you know, a little T-shirt or something, so they feel like that they're not naked. Not that, believe it or not, helps. <laughs>
<laughs> That's actually great advice there. I, I know. Well, this healthy serving of animal radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, so much for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with canine caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. A deaf and partially blind senior dog has uh, been bestowed with a brand new title. That would be the title of Hero. Max is a 17-year-old blue healer from Queensland, Australia, and he's getting really high praise after spending more than 15 hours in the rugged Australian terrain out in the rain with a lost three-year-old girl who had been reported missing on a recent Friday afternoon. Well, by the next morning, more than 100 emergency service volunteers, police, and others were out there searching for the little girl. Her name was Aurora. And then later on that Saturday, the day after the girl's disappearance, her grandmother said that she had heard the little girl's voice from her mountaintop home where she was. So she headed toward what she thought was her granddaughter's voice she then found max the 17 year old dog who had been sitting on a trail waiting for her led her to her granddaughter who was found more than a mile away from her home where she should have been but since that incident max has been given the title of honorary police dog from his local police department for this heroic act i had so many people send me that story and share the story it was it's just a like, great story we'll love this story yeah. it is i loved it uh airlines and their pet policies are back in the news again they probably will be for quite a while now but now it's alaska airlines announcing it is making policy changes for those passengers who fly with emotional support and psychiatric service animals uh, they say starting May 1st, the airline, Alaska Airlines, will be requiring passengers traveling with those types of animals to provide health and behavioral documents, and they must be signed by a medical doctor or a mental health professional. And all of the required forms will have to be submitted at least 48 hours before departure. Right now, at least 150 emotional support and psychiatric service animals travel on Alaska Airlines planes every day. A spokesman for the airline says the changes are being made because of an increasing number of incidents where the, they call it inappropriate behavior of emotional support animals has impacted and even injured some of their employees and other service animals and passengers too. But besides Alaska, both Delta and United Airlines have adopted similar requirements, and those went into effect a few months ago on March 1st. But, uh, of course, the policy changes do not apply to those uh, more traditional service animals, such as guide dogs for the blind. Firefighters in Wayne Township, Indiana, at station number 82, 
I bet those guys are still laughing about a recent visit they had from this frantic woman who showed up at their fire station house early one morning with her pet raccoon who uh, the raccoon was stoned. I imagine the owner was too, but they didn't go into great detail on that. But the owner thought the raccoon was overdosing after it had gotten into somebody's stash of heroin. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Yeah. They're lucky that the the raccoon lived, but we're not even really sure about that. Firefighters said that they sent the raccoon home to sleep it off and just hope that it would be okay, but said they don't have any further updates on the animal. I have to mention that I heard this story early in the week, and I went to acquire some of the 911 audio tape or some of the uh, communications audio tape for this, and I'd like to play it for you if that's okay. This, uh, oh, great. Yeah. This is a, it's a little cut up, but I think you'll get the idea. Here it is. Apparently they have a pet raccoon that got into their mess. Sure, Speedway doesn't have anything, but fire did call across the hall and say that it was a raccoon that overdosed on somebody's heroin. I'm sitting at one of the Speedway firehouses. No pet raccoons are overdosing here. Well, if they show up, you narcanning. Way too weird on leaving. Ten board. Oh, my. <laughs> he, he wasn't going to deal with any raccoons that were on meth. At, I guess maybe because of the whole Narcan situation, they thought that by going to a firehouse, they might get that care. But, you know, I'd have to say, a raccoon on heroin scares the pants off of me. I don't believe sure. the firemen. Yeah, I wouldn't want to mess with it. Darn Would Narcan help an animal on heroin? Overdose? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we use that as a, a reversal for opioid um, overdosage. Um, it, you know, I can't say this kind of thing happens a lot in veterinary medicine, but it certainly can when pets get into illicit drugs that are that kind That's of quantity. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. My Chrysler Pacifica is totally loaded. It has stow-and-go seating, the available Uconnect theater, and listen to these speakers. Hey, Mom, what was that song? Huh? What song? Chrysler Pacifica. It's loaded with attitude. Chrysler is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And as a youngster growing up, I watched a lot of TV. (laughs) My parents would plop me down right in front of the black and white TV. And I would watch Captain Kangaroo. That was big. Mr. Rogers was big for me. (laughs) What what are you laughing at? I'm just laughing. Okay. Mr. Rogers. But one of the most influential programs for me was Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. I love that show. Sunday. Yes. Sunday, I think it was like at like six and six. Yes. Right after Disney. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We're all excited, Hal. Well, of course we are. I always wanted to, to be a host on that show or something like that. Travel the world and see all these animals. And unfortunately, um, my aptitude just didn't uh, provide me the, the wherewithal to have that kind of job. But Peter Gross, he is co-host of Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, which is now, a, I believe, a web series. And he joins us. How are you doing? I am well. Nice to talk to you. Set the scene. Where are you? Are there animals all around you right now? Uh French bulldog sitting behind me right now, but that's about <laughs> as wild as it gets. <laughs> we'll take it. 
Well, you have okay. you have a great job to be able to visit with all these different animals, and I understand that there are some stories that you want to share with us. The one that really intrigued me that I heard about was this 12-foot python that you ended up chasing through a Manhattan hotel, and i got to figure out, what what is the story behind that? Well, actually, uh, it was a, a, a python that I had in my room at the Waldorf that we were going to be on the... Uh, back then, it was a, the Regis and Kathy Lee show. And um, when they're that large, sometimes when they're about to shed, uh, their eyes turn blue, and they really can't see that much because they're going to shed all their skin off. So I put him in a nice, lukewarm bathtub of water where it would accelerate the shedding, and he'd be very comfortable. Sure. And I couldn't leave the room, so I ordered some room service. And um, I was kind of busy on the phone and opened the door, and it came, and I just set it on the bed, and I signed it. And do you know how sometimes the latch will sort of eke its way open on the door when it didn't latch perfectly? Sure. Uh-oh. Well, but, but between the door and this poor young gentleman who had brought my food up was this python laying there looking at him, who would come out of the tub and kind of gleaming and soaking wet. And he went out of there, hit the elevator down the hall, and within 10 minutes, I had a call saying, uh, Mr. Gross, this hotel does not allow pets. <laughs> so <laughs> oh. so it's, it's a bit now. It's, a, it's after midnight. Try to get a room in Manhattan with six animals that are going to be on a national television show. We're talking about wildlife conservation and education and want people to sort of connect with them, see them up close and become concerned about them. So the concierge was nice enough to shop around and find one that, quote, took pets. And it was a much older hotel, and I was happy to have any place to stay. And I must say, this place came with its own pets. It was a sleepless night. Oh, I I would imagine. When you were a youngster, did you watch Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom and and Marlon Perkins like I did? I did. Growing up, that was that was the the Sunday afternoon half hour show that I was allowed to watch, and it was uh, it just amazed me that Marlon and Jim were out there in these countries uh, filming in these remote places, and I was sitting there watching it in my living room. And did you know at that time that you would be involved? I didn't. I, I didn't. I was involved with later on in life after going to school, learning about animal husbandry and training. Um, I had a lot to do with designing free-roaming animal displays, which was really what I enjoyed to do the most. We would turn the animals loose on islands and sort of cage the people in these uh, 30-person Colorado river rafts, which I always got a kick out of the animals roaming free watching the people go by in cages. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say is the most harrowing experience you've had with an animal, something that you didn't expect maybe went wrong? Well, um, it's usually not the animals that are a problem. It's usually the, the equipment. Um, okay. We were filming a grizzly bear show in Alaska from helicopter, and there are these large Sitka spruce trees that are so close together that the helicopter can't land. So they lower you down on a 100-foot rope, put your foot in a loop, and you, you slide down. And just as I was stepping out on the skid, a gust of wind hit it and blew me off into a tree. Mm. And, and a, a branch went up and, and um, scratched me up a little bit, and they medevac me into Fairbanks, and we had some few stitches in the right places alongside my nose, and um, that, was, that was quite an experience. <laughs> that it was. We are with Mutual of Omaha's Peter Gross. We're going to take a quick break. More harrowing experiences on the way. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Brilliant Pad. Brilliant Pad is 
proud to support the animal shelter and rescue community. The Brilliant Pad Shelter Program donates products for fundraisers and for use by shelters and foster families. Adopting families can get a free Brilliant Pad system, too. To learn more, visit brilliantpad.com slash shelters. And thanks, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio. This is Animal Radio, baby. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food. But we can tell you, Alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only Alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, Sniffer dogs trained in Ireland are now sniffing out black market bootleg DVDs. Illegal DVDs are a multi-million dollar industry, often being sold online or on street corners. Recently, the dogs visited Malaysia, where they found $1.7 million worth of illegal DVDs. The dogs are able to detect the plastics used in the DVDs, and they're trained to calmly stare in the direction of the plastic smell. Afterwards, they're rewarded with their favorite toy. The dogs seem to love their work, and hopefully all this hard work will be reflected in lower popcorn prices at the movies. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom is presented by Mutual of Omaha, the company that pays. It's Animal Radio, and we are with Peter Gross from Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. And we're talking about some of the precarious situations Peter's been put in. And now I want to know about the most harrowing experience you've had with an animal. Um, in, in terms of animals, I think the most exhilarating was we were rafting the Zambezi River uh, on the border of Zambia and Zimbabwe. And we capsized several times in these Class 5 waterfalls that they call Valley of the Giants, and one of the local guides turned to us and casually said, you need to get back in the boat much faster because those eddies over there are where the crocodiles lay and wait for their food to come by. (laughs) So so we were a lot more attentive to that. I got to think your life insurance premium is sky high. (laughs) (laughs) It was virtually impossible to get. I think they wanted to rate me the same as a crop duster. A crop duster. Wow. I, I would think even uh, more risky than yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. So what animals have you not seen that, that's on your bucket list? Well, I, I've been fortunate to travel to most of the continents. Uh, I, I have yet to spend, I'd like to spend more time in the Amazon Basin. I 
gone down there a number of times, and I've taken, actually took a group of seventh graders down. We took 39 seventh graders and did a cross-cultural exchange living with the Yagua Indians, the Rivianos people in the rainforest. And we did the impossible. We came back with all 39 seventh graders. Oh, that's good. So, So I'd like to spend more time there. Judy was saying that that's just dangerous taking the kids. Yeah, that's more that's dangerous a- than the animals. <laughs> it is indeed. If you're a parent of, of, a, of a teenager or a teacher that's worked with seventh graders, you understand. Indeed, it is. So, what are you doing now? There's a web series. Are you involved with that? What's well, on the horizon for you? Mutual of Omaha is still running. Uh, you can get to the older shows on, on the website, and then the web series is running. What I'm enjoying doing now is visiting universities and and performing arts centers and schools and seniors and science homes and corporate lectures talking about my experiences throughout the world and the optimism that that I've noticed with the progress we're making. Do you still travel and show animals? I do. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be in North Carolina the day after tomorrow, and typically I will have someone come, a zoo will have zoomobile animals or a school lecture program group. And these are generally animals that have been rescued and had to be bottle-fed and become imprinted on people. And they sort of think of people as their parents, so they're very comfortable in this people environment. And they become wonderful ambassadors for their species. So it's 80 to 90 minutes of clips of filming in the wild, some of the bloopers, some of the things that happen to you when you're filming in the wild that you didn't anticipate, and then inviting young people up on the stage to meet a hissing cockroach or a legless lizard or a huge python or the world's largest owl, these hand-raised animals that are on stage, and they can see them up close and personal. And then we have a live camera feed to a huge screen so everybody really connects with wildlife. Is this a public event? Uh, yes, it is. And, and um, What city? It, it's going to be at Cape Fear, uh, at Cape Fear, Community College, and it's there on their website. I would think you could just enter my name and pull it up North Carolina. It should pop right up. So if you're listening we'll in North Carolina, this would be a great time to meet Peter and see what he's up to. Yes. That's what I'm thinking. Absolutely. I, I've always enjoyed meeting people after the shows. I have to ask, you talk about bottle feeding, and I see whether you bottle fed a 500-pound Bengal tiger. What? And the, the tiger lived in your home for 21 years with you? Well, actually, no. When he when he was very young, when he had to be bottle red, he was a lar- part of a large litter, and the mother couldn't take care of them all. So after they got the necessary colostrum, then I bottle raised them when they were just up to a few months old. So, but we had a special room where they could become imprinted on me until they got strong and healthy, and then go back and be with other tigers. Did you say you have a bulldog now? Yes, little French bulldog. He's sitting in the back seat right now. We're on our way up to beautiful clay elm in the mountains which is green and still full of snow and lush this time of year that sounds wonderful we we appreciate you taking time to talk to us today i've enjoyed talking to both of you thank you so much take care uh peter gross joining us if you want to learn more about uh peter you can head to our website at animalradio.pet we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet Okay, it's time for us to get on out of here and go walk our dogs or ferrets or flamingos. I encourage you to do the same. If you need your fix during the week, head on over to animalradio.pet or download the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And, of course, as I always say, if you have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, check out Dr. Debbie's Kindle books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. All those links, including everything you've heard on today's show, over at animalradio.pet. Have a great week.
Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network.